0: Section 57 of Cambridge Medieval History, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Cambridge Medieval History, Volume 1, Section 57. Chapter 16, The Eastern Provinces from Arcadius to Anastasius by E. W. Brooks, Continued. The imperial troops succeeded in expelling the Amal from Thrace but Macedonia was left to his mercy. He sacked Stobi, and on his approaching Thessalonica, the citizens, thinking themselves betrayed, transferred the keys from the praefect to the bishop. Heraclea he was at first persuaded by large gifts to spare, but on the refusal of a demand for corn and wine, burnt the greater part of it. He was repulsed from Lichnidus, but took Scampia, which was deserted, and occupied Dyrrhachium, which a confederate had induced the garrison by a trick to abandon. Meanwhile, Zeno had again opened negotiations, and the patrician Adamantius, the son of Vivianus, was sent to treat. At Thessalonica, he put down a military tumult directed against the prefect, and at Edessa handed to Sabinianus the emperor's commission as magister militum of Illyricum in place of Onulf. From Lichnidus, he invited Theodoric either to come to Lichnidus or to send hostages for his own safety if he went to Dyrrachium. As Sabinianus, who accompanied him, refused to secure the return of the hostages by oath, this plan failed. But Adamantius went with a small escort to a wild spot near Dyrrhachium and invited Theodoric to meet him. Theodoric came and stood on the opposite bank of a river, and Adamantius offered him a settlement in the district of Portalia in Dardania, where he would act as a check on his namesake and be between the Thracian and Illyrian armies. Theodoric refused to move before spring, but offered, if supported by a Roman army, to destroy the Thracian Goths on condition that he might then be made Magister Militum and live in Constantinople, or, if preferred, to go to Dalmatia and restore Nepos. Adamantius, however, declined to make terms until he left Epirus. Meanwhile, Sabinianus, having received reinforcements, captured 5,000 Goths, and Zeno was encouraged to break off negotiations. For the next two years, Sabinianus held the Goths in check. On the 25th of September, 479, the walls of Constantinople were greatly damaged by an earthquake. Zeno, in fear of the Goths, begged Ilus to return in order that his Isaurians might assist in defending the city. And the emperor and the chief officials came out beyond Chalcedon to meet him. Having learned from Epinacus that Verina was the author of the plot against his life, Ilus refused to enter Constantinople unless she was surrendered, and Zeno, who was clearly in fear of him and perhaps not sorry to be rid of his mother-in-law, Complied. She was conveyed by Ilus's brother-in-law, Matronianus, to Tarsus, where she was compelled to become a deaconess and kept in custody at the Isaurian D'Alessandus. Ilus was made master of the offices, Epinacus was at his request recalled, and his client, Pamprepius, the philosopher, who had been expelled on account of his open paganism and the suspicion of inciting his patron to treason, returned with him and was made quaestor. The predominance of Ilus soon led to a vigorous attempt to throw off the Isaurian rule. On the pretext of Verena's banishment, Marcian, the son-in-law of Leo, having secured the adhesion of the son of Triarius, and the support of a force of barbarians and a large number of citizens, rose against Zeno and claimed the crown for himself on the ground that Leontia was born in the purple while Ariadne was born before Leo's ascension. During the day of the insurgents, aided by the people who hurled missiles from the houses at the soldiers, carried all before them, but in the night, Ilus brought some Isaurians over from Chalcedon, and on the next day the rising was suppressed, though Elus' house was burnt. Marcion, who fled to the Church of the Apostles, was compelled to take orders and sent to Caesarea in Cappadocia, while his brothers, Procopius and Romulus, escaped to Theodoric's camp, and Leontius sought refuge in a convent. Marcion, however, escaped, and with a rustic force attacked Encyra, but was captured by Trocundes and confined in the castle of Charis, whether his wife and daughters were now brought to join him. Immediately after the rising, Theodoric, the son of Triarius, appeared before Constantinople under pretense of assisting the emperor, thinking that, as the towers and battlements had been overthrown by the earthquake, he could easily take it. But, finding the Isaurians manning the wall and ready to burn the city in case of defeat, he accepted Zeno's gifts and promises and withdrew. He refused, however, to surrender the fugitives, and was thereupon superseded in the office of Magister Militum by Trocundes, He then plundered Thrace, and Zeno could only call in the Bulgarians against him. Having defeated the Bulgarians, Theodoric again appeared before the capital, but finding the gates strongly guarded by Ilus and his Isarians, tried to cross to Bithynia and was defeated at sea. Receiving news of a conspiracy against him, he returned home and put the conspirators to death, after which he marched towards Greece to seek new territory, and on the way was accidentally killed. His son, Reketak, who, by killing his uncles became sole ruler of his people, returned to Thrace and continued to ravage the country. In 481, Sabinianus died a violent death, some said, by Zeno's contrivance, and Theodoric, the Amal, plundered Macedonia and Thessaly and sacked Larissa. John the Scythian and Moschianus were sent against him, but no great success was obtained. In consequence of the threatened revolt of Ilus, Theodoric was invited to Constantinople, made patrician and magister militum, and designated consul and received territory in Dacia and Lower Moesia. His rival, Ricatac, who was in the city at the same time, he was allowed to assassinate, and the Thracian Goths ceased to maintain a separate existence. Ariadne, urged by her mother, pressed Zeno to recall Verena, but he referred her to Ilus, who refused compliance. A third attempt upon the life of Ilus was then made by a Scalarian, who succeeded in cutting off his ear while he was going to Palace to receive some barbarian envoys at the emperor's request. The assassin was put to death, and Zeno denied on oath all knowledge of the matter. But Ilus, feeling himself unsafe, asked for leave of absence on the ground of needing change of air. Zeno then made him magister militum por orientum, with the right of appointing dukes, and, taking with him Matronianus, Marsus, who had commanded the land force in the expedition against the Vandals, Pamprepius, and other powerful men, and a large military force, he withdrew to Antioch, where he set himself to gain popularity by largesse's and lavish expenditure on public buildings. The patrician Leontius, who was sent to ask for Verena's release, was induced to remain. That a civil war was imminent must have been clear to both parties, and after the accommodation with Theodoric, Zeno demanded the surrender of Longinus, and on receiving a refusal, sent John the Scythian to supersede Ilus, expelled his friends, and confiscated their property, which he gave to the Isaurian cities. Illus now openly revolted, proclaimed a Marcian emperor, and sent envoys to Adorchros, who refused assistance, and to the Persians and the satraps of the five provinces annexed in 298, who promised support to any force that appeared in their neighborhood. It is clear that he did not intend to head a mere Isurian revolt, which could not have any lasting success, but to form a powerful combination against the emperor, for which purpose he held out hopes to the heathens through Pamprepius, while he was also on friendly terms with the Chalcedonians, who had been offended by the issue of the Heneticon, whereby Zeno soon after his departure tried to placate the Monophysites. At first, to prevent a revolt in Isauria, Zeno sent a small force under Ilus' bastard brother, Linges, and the Isaurian Conan, who had exchanged a military life for the bishopric of Apamea. Whereupon Ilus, for some reason, dropped Marcion and brought Verena, who as Augusta might advance some claim to appoint an emperor to Tarsus, where she formally crowned Leontius, who eight days later entered Antioch. The inhabitants of Chalcis refused to accept the new emperor's busts, and he attacked the city for 45 days, while at Edessa the citizens shut the gates against Metronianus. About the same time, the great victory of the Aethylites precluded all hope of support from Persia. Theodoric was now sent with a force of Romans and Goths to join John the Scythian, but Zeno changed his mind and recalled him, though his Goths remained with the army. And in his place, Hermanric, the son of Aspar, who had once revealed a conspiracy to Zeno and had married a daughter of his illegitimate son, was sent with a contingent of Rugians. When the force which Ilus sent against the imperial army was defeated, he hastily summoned Leontius from Antioch, and they fled to the stronghold of Cheris, to which Verina had already been sent. His confederates then shut themselves up in different fortresses, and many of his men deserted. Zeno recalled the Goths, who were no longer needed, and made the Isaurian Cotamenes magister militum in place of Theodoric, while another Isaurian, Longinus of Cardala, was made master of the offices. Nine days after the beginning of the siege, Verena died, and a month later, Marsus, and Elus left the defense to the owner of the fortress, Indicus, Tracundi's brother-in-law. Tracundes, who had been sent to collect reinforcements, was captured by John and beheaded, and Zeno's brother, Longinus, was allowed to escape. Theodoric had perhaps been occupied during 485 by a Bulgarian invasion, but in 486 he raided Thrace, and Odokros, in spite of his previous refusal, showed signs of wishing to assist Ilus, who now in vain made proposals for peace, while Zeno stirred up the Rugians against Odocros. In 487, Theodoric advanced close to Constantinople, and an agreement was made under which he set out to wrest Italy from Odokros, who had defeated the Rugians, and the east was rid of the Goths forever. All hope for the besieged was now at an end. Pemprepius, who had prophesied success, was put to death, and at last Indicus and others betrayed the fort. Ilus requests with regard to the burial of his daughter, who had died during the siege, and the treatment of his family were granted, and he and Leontius were beheaded, and their heads exposed at Constantinople. The traitors were all killed during the assault, perhaps by the besieged. Verena's body was taken to Constantinople and buried with Leo's, most of the isaurian fortresses were dismantled as the satraps of the five provinces had been in communication with Ilus. the hereditary tenure of the four most important satrapies was abolished though the satraps retained their native forces zeno had by his first wife a son zeno but he had killed himself by his excesses at an early age and the emperor wished to leave the crown to his brother longinus the infamous character of longinus and the unpopularity of the isaurians hindered him from declaring him caesar but he appointed him Magister Militum in the hopes that his military authority and the strength of the Isaurians in the army would secure him the succession. On the 9th of April, 491, Zeno died of dysentery at the age of 60. In accordance with the precedent of 450, the choice of a successor was left to the Augusta Ariadne, and on the next morning, by the advice of Urbicius, she nominated the Salentieri Anastasius of Duracium, a man of 61 who had shortly before been one of the three candidates selected for the See of Antioch. He was crowned the next day, and when he appeared before the people, they greeted him with the acclamation, Reign as you have lived. On the 20th of May, he married Ariadne. The new emperor began by the popular measures of remitting arrears of taxation and refusing facilities to informers, and he is credited with abolishing the sale of offices. But his reign was constantly disturbed by serious outbreaks. No immediate opposition was offered to his elevation, But in Isuria, a revolt on a small scale broke out, and at Constantinople some unpopular action on the part of Julian, the city prefect, led to an uproar, and on an attempt to restore order by force, the rioters threw down the pedestals on which stood the busts of the emperor and empress in front of the circus, and many were killed by the soldiers. To avoid more bloodshed, Anastasius deposed Julian, who had been appointed by Ariadne on the day of Zeno's death, and named his own brother-in-law, Secundinus, to succeed him. Thinking that peace was impossible while the usurians were in the city, he expelled them and deprived them of the pay assigned by Zeno. Longinus, the brother of Zeno, was compelled to take orders in exile to the Thebaid, where he died at a of hunger, eight years later, while his wife and daughter retired to Bithynia and lived the rest of their life on charity. The property of the late emperor, even his imperial robes, was sold by auction, and the castle of Cherus, which had not yet been occupied by the rebels, was dismantled. Longinus of Cardala and a certain Athenodorus, who were among those who had been expelled from the capital, joined the insurgents in Isauria, among whom were now to be found Linginenes, a count of Isauria, Conan the ex-bishop, and another Athenodorus. Reinforced by discontented Romans and others who served under compulsion, they advanced to Cotiaeum. Here John the Scythian and John the Hunchback, who had succeeded Longinus as Magister Militum in Presenti, met and defeated them. Linginines fell in battle, and the Isurians fled to their native mountains. But the generals waited until spring before crossing the Taurus. In 493, Diogenes, a kinsman of Ariadne, took Claudiopolis, but was besieged in it by the Isurians, and his men were nearly starved. John the Hunchback, however, forced the passes, and by a sudden attack, aided by a sortie on the part of Diogenes, routed the enemy, Bishop Conan being mortally wounded. The Isaurians were henceforth confined in their strongholds, and a certain Longinus of Salinas, who resided in the strong coast town of Antioch and had a large fleet, supplied them with provisions by sea. The emperor's attention was now distracted by an incursion of barbarians, perhaps Slavs, in Thrace, during which Julian, the magister militum of Thrace, was killed. Moreover, as his monophysite opinions made his rule distasteful to the Chalcedonians, who were strong in Constantinople, there was perhaps communication between them and the insurgents, a charge on which the patriarch Euphemius was deprived in 495. At last, in 497, Longinus of Cardala and Athenodorus were taken and beheaded by John the Scythian, and their heads sent to Constantinople, while the head of the other Athenodorus, who was captured the same year, was exhibited at the gates of Tarsus. Longinus of Salinas held out till 498, and was then made prisoner by Priscus, an officer serving under John the Hunchback, exhibited in chains at Constantinople, and tortured to death at Nicaea, Large numbers of Isaurians were settled in Thrace, and the population of Isauria, which had been greatly thinned by the two wars, was thereby yet further reduced, so that the necessity which had made the mountaineers the terror of Asia Minor no longer existed. The Isaurians had done their work of saving the East from the fate of the West, and, though they still provided useful recruits for the army, their day of political power was over. The importance of looking at home for soldiers instead of trusting to the barbarians had been learned and was never forgotten. Besides the Isarian War, Anastasius had also been troubled by incursions of Blemis in Egypt, and in 498 the bands of Saracens invaded the eastern provinces. The followers of Numan of Alhira, who owed allegiance to Persia, were after an inroad into Euphratesia, defeated by Eugenius, a duke stationed at Melitene, and parties of Tahlibi and Ghassani Arabs under Huger and Gabala, the latter at least a Roman subject, were routed by Romanus, Duke of Palestine, who also recovered Jutaba, which was leased to a company of Roman traders for a yearly tribute. In 502, a more successful raid was made by Hugir's brother, Madi Kharb, but the outbreak of the Persian War made it possible to turn the raids in another direction, and peace was made with the Tahlibi chief, al-Harith, father of Madi Kharb. In 502, the Tsani also raided Pontus. Immediately after the ascension of Anastasius, Kawad, who became king of Persia in 488, demanded a contribution towards the defenses of the Caucasian gates. This was refused, but the Armenian rising prevented further action, though Anastasius refused to aid the insurgents. Kawad took advantage of the Isaurian troubles to repeat his demand, but was soon afterwards deposed. Having been restored by the king of the Ephthalites under a promise of paying a large sum of money, he again applied to Anastasius for help. The emperor would only agree to lend the money on a written promise of payment, and Kawad, refusing this, entered Roman Armenia and took and sacked Theodosiopolis, which was surrendered by the treachery of Constantine, the Count of Armenia, who went over to the Persian service. Having occupied Martyropolis, he passed on to Amida, where, though there was no military force in Mesopotamia except the garrison of Constantina, a stubborn defense was made by the citizens. Anastasius sent Rufinus to offer him money to withdraw, but he kept the ambassador in custody. A Persian force, accompanied by Arabs and Ephthalites, was sent to the district of Constantina, and, after a small party had been cut to pieces, routed Eugenius of Melitene and Olympius, Duke of Mesopotamia, while Numan's Arabs plundered the territory of Carhe and advanced to Edessa. Eugenius, however, retook Theodosiapolis. Meanwhile, Kawad, despairing of taking Amida, was willing to retire for a small sum, but the governor and the magistrates refused this and demanded compensation for the crops that had been destroyed. The siege, therefore, continued, until a dark night the Persians found access by some aqueducts to a part of the wall which was guarded by some monks who were in a drunken sleep. They thereupon scaled the wall, and after hard fighting made themselves masters of the town, which for three days was given up to massacre. Rufinus was then released, and Kawad at the beginning of spring retreated to the neighborhood of Singara, leaving three thousand men under Glan in Amida. Further demands for money were rejected by Anastasius, who, having immediately after the fall of Amida sent men to defend the fortified places, now dispatched a considerable army from Thrace to Mesopotamia under Patricius, Magister Militum in Prisenti, Areobindus, Magister Militum per Orientum, great-grandson of Aspar, and his own nephew, Hypatius, accompanied by Appion the Prefect, who took up his quarters at Edessa to look after the Commissariat. Patricius and Hypatius laid siege to Amida, while Areabindus encamped near Dara to stop a new invasion, and for some time prevented an advance on the part of the Persians from Singara, and even drove them in confusion to Nisibis. But when the enemy, reinforced by Arabs and Ephthalites, prepared to attack him in greater strength under the traitor Constantine, he retreated to Haram near Mardin to be near his colleagues. His request for assistance being, however, disregarded, he was compelled to abandon his camp and flee to Constantina and Edessa. Patricius and Hypatius, on hearing of Rehobindus' flight, raised the siege of Amida and met the Persians under Kawad himself at the neighboring fort of Apadna, but were routed and fled to Samosata. Hypatius was then recalled. Kawad's attempts to take Constantina, Edessa, and Carhe by assault were unsuccessful, and Patriciolus, who was bringing reinforcements, destroyed a small Persian force at the Euphrates, while the Persian Arabs, having ravaged the country up to the river near Batanae, crossed into Syria. A second attempt upon Odessa fared no better than the first, and Kawad then advanced to the Euphrates. Anastasius now sent Seller, the master of offices with large reinforcements, and though he had hitherto followed a civil career and was not formally appointed to the chief command, his personal position gave him practical authority over the other generals and replaced division by unity. On his approach, Kawad marched down the river to Calinicus, where a detachment was cut to pieces by Timostratus, duke of Aserhone. Hearing of an invasion of Caucasian Huns, Kawad then returned home, upon which Patricius, who was sent wintering at Melitene, returned to Amida and routed a force sent against him by Kawad. Sellar and afterwards Araobindus then joined Patricius before Amida, where Glan had been captured by a stratagem and put to death. Seeing how things were going, Constantine returned to his allegiance and was allowed to take orders and live at Nicaea. Adid the Arab and Mushel the Armenian also went over to the Romans. The whole army was now no longer needed at Amida. Accordingly, Reabindus raided Persian Armenia, while Seller crossed into Arzanin, where he cut some cavalry to pieces and burnt the villages, killing the men and taking the women and children prisoners. Similar raids were made by the Roman Arabs. Kawad then sent his Spapat, commander in chief, to Seller to propose peace, returning the most important prisoners. Seller at first refused terms in hopes of taking Amida, and an attempt to revictual it failed. But during the winter, which was a severe one, there were many desertions in the army, and he agreed to pay a sum of money for the surrender of the town, a definite peace being postponed till the emperor's pleasure should be known. Hostilities were, however, considered to be ended, and some Arab sheiks on the Persian side who had raided Roman territory were put to death by the Persian Marsban, and some sheiks of the Roman Arabs who had raided Persian territory were treated in the same way by Seller, who, after a visit to Constantinople, had returned to Syria. Anastasius granted remissions of taxes throughout Mesopotamia, gave largesses to the districts which had suffered most, restored the fortifications, and built a new fortified position on the frontier at Dara. As this was contrary to the Treaty of 442, the Persians tried to prevent it, but Kawad, being engaged in a war with the Huns and the Tamure, a tribe of unknown geographical position, was unable to take active steps in the matter. In April 506, Seller came to Edessa on his way to meet the Spapat, but upon hearing from Persian envoys of his death, he waited till a successor should be appointed. While his Gothic soldiers caused much trouble to the citizens, he then went to Dara and made peace for seven years with the Nuspapat, the emperor agreeing to pay compensation for the breach of faith involved in the fortification at Dara. In Thrace and Illyricum, the departure of the Goths left the way open to the more savage Bulgarians. In 499, they inflicted a disastrous defeat on Aristus, Magister Militum of Illyricum, at the Tzerta. And in 500 Anastasius thought it was wise to give a donative to the Illyrian army. At an unknown date his nephew Pompeius was defeated by some enemy at Hadrianople, and in 507 the long wall across the peninsula on which Constantinople stands was built to secure the city from attack by land. In 512 the Haruli, after their defeat by the Lombards, were settled in the empire, but afterwards rebelled and had to be put down by force of arms. In 517, the Slavs plundered Macedonia, Thessaly, and Epirus, and carried off captives whom Anastasius ransomed. Libya also suffered from the incursions of the Masochese. Though there was little serious hostility with the Goths, relations were, for a large part of the reign, unfriendly. In 493, the emperor refused Theodoric's request for confirmation of his title to Italy, though by accepting his consuls he tacitly recognized him. In 498, however, he gave the desired recognition and returned the imperial insignia which Odocros had sent to Zeno. But in 505, a conflict was brought about by a certain Mundo, who had been expelled by the king of the Gepids and received as a Federatus in the empire, but afterwards became a captain of robbers and being attacked by Sabinianus, Magister Militum of Illyricum, son of the Sabinianus who held the same office under Zeno, with Bulgarian allies, called in a gothic force which had been fighting the Gepids. In the battle which followed at Horea Margi, the Romans were routed, but no further fighting seems to have taken place. And Mundo entered Theodoric's service. The assistance given to Mundo caused an ill feeling at Constantinople, and in 508 a fleet raided the coast of Italy, by which Theodoric was hindered from supporting the Visigoths against the Frankish king, on whom Anastasius confirmed the insignia of consulship. Shortly afterwards, peace was restored, no doubt by concessions on the side of Theodoric, who wished to be free to deal with the Franks. The domestic administration of Anastasius was distinguished by several popular measures. The most celebrated of these was the abolition of the Tricergyron, a tax on all kinds of stock and plant and trade instituted by Constantine, which pressed heavily on the poorest classes. Instead of this, he imposed a land tax called tricertylaia, which he applied to the support of the army, abolishing the rights of requisition. He also attempted, by several enactments, to ensure that soldiers received their full pay. But his chief financial reform was the abolition, by the advice of the Syrian marinus, of the system under which the curiales were responsible for the taxes of the municipalities and the institution of the tax collectors, called vindicis, The burdens of the curiales were not, however, wholly removed, for they existed in some form under Justinian. These measures were no doubt primarily intended to increase the revenue, and at the end of his reign, under the administration of Marinus, complaints were made of heavy extortion. But the immediate financial success of the policy is proved by the fact that at the time of his death, the treasury was full. His humanity was shown by the abolition of fights between men and beasts, but this did not extend to the practice of exposing criminals to beasts, which existed as late as the time of Maurice. But although Anastasius is almost universally praised for his mildness and good administration, his monophysite opinions were distasteful to the population of the capital, and the peace was constantly disturbed by serious riots. In 493, his refusal to release some stone-throwers of the Green faction who had been arrested by the city prefect produced an outbreak during which a stone was thrown at the emperor, part of the circus buildings burnt, and the statues of Anastasius and Ariadne dragged through the streets. Many of the rioters were arrested and punished, and the thrower of the stone, Amur, was killed by the excubatores. But the emperor was compelled to appoint a new prefect in the person of Plato. An occasion for rioting was also provided by the ancient pagan festival of the Britae, which was celebrated by dancing performances every May. Such a riot occurred in the prefecture of Constantine, when the Greens attacked the Blues in the theater and many were killed, among them an illegitimate son of Anastasius. After this, an order was issued that the celebration of the Britae should cease throughout the empire. In 512, the Monophysite edition of the Trisagion, made at the instigation of Marinus, caused the most dangerous outbreak of the reign. The rioters killed the Monophysite monks, threw down the emperor's statues, and proclaimed emperor the unwilling Rehobindus, whose wife Juliana represented the Theodosian house. When Seller and Patricius were sent to appease them, they drove them away with stones, burnt the houses of Marinus and Pompeius, and plundered Marinus' property. On the third day Anastasius showed himself in the circus without his crown, and begged them to refrain from massacre, whereupon they demanded that Marinus and Plato should be thrown to the beasts. But the emperor, by promising concessions, persuaded them to disperse. The banishment of Ariadne's kinsman Diogenes and the ex-prefect Appian May, as they were recalled by Justin, have been caused by religious troubles. In Alexandria and Antioch, also riots were frequent. In 513, the religious differences culminated in an armed rising. The military administration of Hypatius, not the emperor's nephew, had caused discontent in the Thracian army, especially among the Bulgarian federati. These federati were commanded by Vitellianus, son of the Patriciolus who had held a command in the Persian War who had a grievance on account of the expulsion of the patriarch Flavianus of Antioch, with whom he was on terms of close friendship. Making use of the discontent in the army, he murdered two of the general's staff, bribed the Duke of Moesia, and, having seized Carinus, one of the chief confidants of Hypatius, forced him to place the town of Odessus in his hands. By means of the money there found, he collected a large force of soldiers and rustics, and, with the cry of justice for the banished patriarch and abolition of the addition of the Trisagian, marched on Constantinople, whither Hypatius fled. Anastasius, having no army at hand, could only provide for the defense, while he set up crosses on the gates and announced the remission of one-fourth of the animal tax in Asia and Bithynia. Patricius, the magister militum, to whom Vitalianus, a large measure owed his promotion, was sent to confer with him, and next day some of Vitalianus' chief officers entered the city who on receiving a promise that just grievances should be remedied and the Pope asked to send representatives to settle the religious differences, took the oath of allegiance, returned to Vitellianus, and compelled him to withdraw. Cyril, a man of some capacity, was now appointed to succeed Hypatius, and, having entered Odysseus from which Vitellianus had retired, was believed to be planning an attack on him. Hearing of this, Vitellianus made his way into the town by night, surprised Cyril while asleep in his house, and killed him. He was thereupon declared a public enemy by the decree of the senate, and a large force collected and sent against him under Hypatius, the emperor's nephew, though the office of Magister Militum of Thrace was given to the barbarian Alathar. Hypatius fought for some time with varying success, and gained at least one victory. Finally, he encamped at Acris on the coast, where, being attacked by the enemy and routed, he was captured in the sea, into which he had fled. Alathar was also captured and was ransomed by Vitellianus himself from the Bulgarians, whom he permitted to sell the prisoners. Vitellianus occupied all the fortresses in Scythia and Moesia, among them Sazopolis, in which he captured some envoys sent with a ransom for Hypatius. It is now expected that he would be proclaimed emperor, and further rioting occurred at Constantinople, in which the prefect of the watch was killed. Meanwhile, he advanced on the capital by land and sea, but on receiving 5,000 pounds of gold, the Thracian command, and a promise of satisfaction upon the religious question, he again retired, and released Hypatius, though he refused to disband his army. It was clear that neither party was likely to observe the peace, and in 515, Vitellianus, having probably promises of support from inside the city, where another riot had occurred, again appeared before Constantinople, but was defeated by land and sea, and retired to Anchialus, though still remaining at the head of his barbarian force. Hypatius was sent to the east as magister militum, and in July 517, went on an embassy to Persia. On the ninth of July, 518, Anastasius died suddenly, Ariadne having died three years before. End of section 57. End of chapter 16, The Eastern Provinces from Arcadius to Anastasius.